Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a late edition of Charts with Dan. Don't check your calendar. Yes, it is a Wednesday. This is sort of the beginning of the wedding-related travel disruptions as we're getting closer and closer to the day. I also spent a big chunk of yesterday trying to get to the bottom of another situation, and my plan is to tell you much more about that tomorrow. I have a story to share with you. But before we get to that, let's look at the weekend box office. It was the second worst weekend of the year at the box office, led by the premiere of A Haunting in Venice, but A Haunting in Venice did not top the box office this weekend. It was a very, very close race, but the number one film was The Nun 2, which did not have the huge horror movie slide that we often see. It dropped just 55.4% in week two, which means it was able to hold on to that number one spot by about uh, over $200,000 at $14.5 million. The Nun 2 is currently at $56.3 million total. A Haunting in Venice debuts at $14.2 million ahead of Death on the Nile, which was the last Poirot movie, although it was a much different situation theatrically as theaters were reopening. I think you could call this a soft opening for a haunting in Venice. I think the only saving factor here is that the budget was around reportedly $60 million, but another financial disappointment for a Disney-based film. This one was released under 20th Century Studios, still a division of Disney. In third place was The Equalizer 3, which dropped 39.8% in its third weekend for a $7.2 million weekend total. Its total is now at almost 75 million dollars domestically. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 does not have the staying power of the movie that birthed the franchise. A 52.5% drop in its second week for a $4.7 million weekend total. Barbie sticking around in the top five, dropping 33%, the best hold in the top five at $3.8 million. Its domestic total is now eclipsed $625 million. Blue Beetle comes in sixth place at $2.5 million, a very close race here between numbers six, seven, eight, and nine. The total for Blue Beetle domestically now at about $67.3 million. At $2.4 million is the second weekend of Juwan, which dropped 60.7% for a $12.1 million domestic total. Gran Turismo dropped 32.4% for a $2.3 million total and a $39.4 million domestic total. Then we have Oppenheimer at $2,095,000 in its ninth week, a 32% drop, and a domestic total at over $318 million. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant May only about $70,000 behind Oppenheimer for a $114.1 million domestic total and a weekend total of just over $2 million. Ninja Turtles did have the best hold of any movie in the top 10. Dropping out of the top 10 after two weeks in wide release was Bottoms. It had that one-week limited release opening, then two weeks in the top 10, now outside of the top 10. And looking at the most theaters lost for this past weekend, Strays leads the way. It dropped 739 theaters. That dropped its theater count about in half. It's now out of wide release at 761 theaters total. Meg 2 The Trench drops 598 theaters. It has also dropped out of wide release. It is under that 1,000 theater barrier. It 
it's at 976 theaters. Gran Turismo drops 563 theaters. It's down to 2,200 theaters total. Elemental drops another 455 theaters. It's at 255 total. And then the Equalizer 3 beginning to shed its theaters. 437 lost this past weekend, but it's still in over 3,500 theaters in the domestic market. When we look at what I call the road to recovery, this is the weekend box office total versus the averages for 2021 and 2022, and then 2015 through 2019, the five years pre-pandemic. And sadly, the box office total for this past weekend was very close to where we have been post theaters reopening after the COVID-19 pandemic, actually very close to the average, where the highest grossing film in the years 2021 and 2022 was the second weekend of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The highest grossing film for 2015 through 2019 was the second weekend of Stephen King's It, but this was also a high-profile weekend for other films, so very much near, as far as box office figures go, where we have been and not where we want to be, or at least getting close to where we want to be. Part of it is that there were movies that were cleared off of the release schedule. I believe Challengers, the Luca Guadagnino movie starring Zendaya, was supposed to open this past weekend. And I think given the potential social media buzz, we could have had a sleeper hit. Certainly a better performer than we saw at the box office this past weekend. So we are definitely now seeing the effects of the writer's strike and the SAG after strike on the box office because we are getting into the teeth of the season where movies like Challengers and Craven the Hunter and Dune Part 2 have now been pushed off of the schedule and we're going to see things looking a lot more like they have been the last couple years and not what they were like as we rounded into 2020. Looking outside the domestic marketplace internationally, so this is all markets except for the United States and Canada, The Nun 2 is the highest grossing international film at $30.1 million, followed by A Haunting in Venice at $22.7 million. Jawan is number third with $15.2 million, followed by Expend for Bulls, which is what I'm going to call the movie because that's what it calls itself, at $10.9 million, getting a jump on its domestic debut, which happens this weekend. And then Oppenheimer in fifth place at $10.7 million internationally. When you combine the domestic number and the international number, you get our top five films worldwide. And The Nun 2 was the highest grossing film worldwide, $44.6 million, a 47.7% drop so it held better worldwide a little bit than it did domestically. A Haunting in Venice debuting with $36.9 million worldwide, followed by Juwan, which actually fell 71.9%, so a steep drop, steeper drop worldwide than domestically at $17.6 million. That one really packed people in on that first weekend. The Equalizer 3 drops 33.9% for a $15.5 million total, followed by Oppenheimer, which dropped 43.2% for a $12.8 million worldwide total. And let's take a closer look at some of the movies that are in the box office top 10. We will start with The Nun 2 and where it stands as far as the Conjuring franchise. When we look at the Conjuring universe, which is not just the Conjuring films, but all of the associated universe films, The Nun 2 is now the eighth highest grossing Conjuring film out of nine. It has passed the box office total of The Curse of La Llorona. It now has The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, in its crosshairs. We'll see how it gets there. Annabelle Comes Home is in sixth, followed by the first Annabelle movie, and then the four Conjuring films that have all eclipsed $100 million or more. Annabelle Creation, The Conjuring 2, The Nun, The First Nun, and The First Conjuring.
Conjuring film. Looking at the Conjuring universe adjusted for inflation, The Nun 2 is still in the basement right now at $56.3 million. But again, it should start climbing up that list a little bit more as time goes on. And looking at the Conjuring universe as far as worldwide gross, The Nun 2 is now healthily ahead of The Curse of La Llorona, and it is gaining quickly on The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. It should be at $200 million worldwide. I don't know if it's going to be one of the biggest movies in The Conjuring universe. I don't think it is. But these movies are all made for such low budget points that even if it is a big drop-off from the best of the franchise, we don't have a Mission Impossible type situation. It just means that the profit margin is that much lower, but still a very healthy profit. A Haunting in Venice was the latest offering for Kenneth Branagh, both in front of and behind the camera. So let's look at his debuts over the years in both of those roles. So this is one or the other or both as an actor and or a director. His highest debut was as an actor back in 2002 with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which opened to $88.3 million. It would be closer to 150 if you were to adjust that number for inflation. In second place is this year's Oppenheimer. He doesn't have a big role, but he is in it at $82.4 million. Then two turns behind the camera, 2015's Cinderella at $67.8 million, and right behind, 2011's Thor at $65.7 million. And then in fifth place is Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk at $50.5 million. If you were to adjust these for inflation, it would be the same five movies, just in a slightly different order. You'd have Chamber of Secrets first, then Oppenheimer, Cinderella, and Thor would switch places, and then you'd still have Dunkirk there at number five. As we continue to track the gross of Barbie, you can see that it has now been passed on a day-for-day -day basis by both Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick, so it has fallen off that pace. However, Barbie will be making a return to IMAX theaters this upcoming weekend, so we will see if there is a big spike in Barbie attendance, and if there is, then we could very well see a big spike in this line as well. Of course, Spider-Man No Way Home continues to perform off the charts, literally, when we're looking at this, and the big question now will be, is Barbie going to get to that number 10 all-time domestic spot that Jurassic World currently holds? Barbie continues to ever so slightly narrow that gap, and again, if it performs well in IMAX, that could be enough to push it over the top and become one of the 10 highest grossing movies of all time domestically. One movie that continues to set marks is Oppenheimer. It is no longer in the top five, but it is still doing well, not just domestically, but especially internationally and worldwide. It is now past $900 million, and it has passed Bohemian Rhapsody to become the highest grossing biopic ever worldwide at $912.6 million. Bohemian Rhapsody now in second place at $910.8 million. Those are easily the two highest grossing biopics of all time worldwide. American Sniper is in third with $540. 47.3 million. The Revenant is right behind at 532.9 million. And then The Greatest Showman, a loose biopic of P.T. Barnum, is in fifth place at 430. $0.5 million. A movie that was not in the top 10, but did somehow still set a record, is one that you probably haven't heard of. It's a movie called The Retirement Plan, starring Nicolas Cage. It actually was in wide release. It was the lowest grossing film in wide release this weekend, and it actually set the wrong kind of record for Nicolas Cage. He has been in a lot of movies, but this was his worst debut for a film that was released in 1,000 theaters or more, and by a pretty wide margin, The Retirement Plan made just 
$745,000 in over a thousand theaters this past weekend, the worst ever debut for Nicolas Cage for a movie opening in over a thousand theaters. It tops Racing with the Moon, and keep in mind these are non-inflation adjusted numbers from 1984, a movie about Cage and Sean Penn as buddies about to ship out to World War II. Trapped in Paradise is in third place from 1994 at $2.7 million, a comedy co-starring John Lovitz and Dana Carvey. Amos and Andrew is at number four, co-starring Samuel L. Jackson. And every time you think that the 90s weren't that long ago, keep in mind that they were still making mainstream Amos and Andy references from March 93 at $3.6 million. And then in fifth place was Gore Verbinski's The Weatherman back in October of 2005, which opened to $4.2 million. And really, I think part of it might be that poster. This poster tells me nothing. I have no idea what this movie is about or anything like that. Just really atrocious marketing on The Weatherman. We've got so much more to break down, but before we do, I want to thank the sponsor for this week's episode. This episode is brought to you by AG1, a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. You've been hearing me talk about AG1 here on the channel for a while now, and I've been drinking it for a while because routines are tough. Every single day when I'm running the channel is different from the day before it, and I never know when I'm gonna get up, when I'm gonna go to bed. So it's great to have something like AG1 in a very chaotic time that helps me to prioritize my own health in an easy way. It's just one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, and that's it. I've stuck with it not just because they sponsor the show, but because it feels good to know that I'm giving my body what it needs every day with such little commitment when it comes to time or complication. If you've got time to stir some powder into water and drink it, then you can take AG1. Each scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, which means that it can benefit everyone differently. I like the support for gut health and my immune system. I'm getting to a point with a wedding coming up where I cannot get sick, and AG1 is there when I need it, and comes in convenient travel packs. So if I'm on the road like I was this week, I can bring AG1 with me. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com Dan. That's drinkag1.com Dan to check it out. Let's look now at the per theater averages for the domestic box office this past weekend. And the best movie per theater was Dumb Money. This is the story of the GameStop stock shorting saga back when the pandemic was actually still actively happening. It will be expanding into wide release in these next couple of weeks, but it brings in just over $27,000 in eight theaters, which seems like to my money, a little bit of a soft debut given the stars involved, given the subject matter. I would have thought that more people People would have shown up for the film. None of the stars of the movie are out there doing publicity. Seth Rogen, I think, would probably be out there. Paul Dana would be out there. Uh, Nick Offerman would probably be out there. And yet they cannot promote the movie in any way. Perhaps that is why it is a bit of a soft opening for Dumb Money. We'll see what it does in the weeks ahead. In second place is the documentary Invisible Beauty about the barrier-breaking supermodel Beth Ann Hardison. In third place, another documentary about author Tom Wolfe called Radical Wolf. It brings in just over $7,900 per theater. Invisible Beauty, by the way, brought in just over $12,000 per theater. In fourth place is the new film from Adil and Bilal, the directors of Bad Boys for Life, whose film Batgirl was shelved by Warner Brothers Discovery not so long ago. The movie's called Rebel, $6,500 in one theater. And then in fifth place is the only holdover here on the chart, Americazzi at $4,968 per theater in 19 theaters. Perhaps a show of how weak the box office was this weekend. No 
worldwide releases actually were in the top five on a per theater basis. Looking at the highest grossing films in limited release, so this would be 1,000 theaters or fewer, Javon is at number one at $2.4 million in 777 theaters, easily the top grossing film in limited release. In second place is what looks to be a very strange movie called Camp Hideout. It played in 848 theaters for a total of just under half a million dollars. Then Miss Shetty, Mr. Polishetti, in an unknown number of theaters in its second week, bringing in $262,000. Dumb Money in fourth place, playing in eight theaters, brings in $220,000. And then another movie with a very soft opening, The Inventor. It had Marion Cotillard, Daisy Ridley, Stephen Fry on board as voices, but generating very little excitement amongst audiences. $190,000 in 700 theaters. That is a very, very bad opening weekend. Looking at the top films in limited release this year, Patan remains number one, but Javon is coming up quickly at $12.1 million in second place. That moves past lives down to third place at $10.9 million, followed by the re-release of Return of the Jedi and A Man Called Otto while it was playing in limited release here. Rocky Alrani is at number six, followed by Bottoms. We freeze the gross for Bottoms when it enters wide release, when it starts playing in that 1,000th theater. $5.5 million there for Bottoms. Nefarious is in eighth place. Pony and Selvan 2 is in ninth. And Women Talking is in tenth. And many of these smaller and independent films, the ones that are not in wide release, the ones that are perhaps off of many people's radars, are at the small independent theaters that are scattered around the country and indeed the world, which is why we are actually going to hop back across the pond for this week's Indie Theater Spotlight to talk about the Cultplex in Manchester, UK. It began in 2019 as the Chapeltown Picture House, and Cultplex is dedicated to screening cult and genre films as well as hosting gaming events, pub quizzes, and generally just being a gathering spot for film buffs in the Manchester area and beyond. Cultplex is currently located inside of Grub, which is a local Manchester street food venue. It seats about 100 film fans. When you look at the theater, it really does seem like one of those things where we got a spare room wherever we could. We put in some seats. We just want a place to show as many movies as we can and get people to gather together. That's what I love about independent theaters. The big ones, the little ones, they are driven by a love of film, and that really seems to be Cultplex's mission. This week, you can catch screenings of The Witch, The Muppet Movie, and Lady Bird, which is part of their ongoing film series called Movie Church, and October brings the cinema's stab film season, which kicks off on October 1st with a marathon of the first four Scream movies and scary movies to be held throughout the rest of the month. You can find out more about Cultplex at cultplex.co.uk, and if you check them out or end up seeing a movie there, as always, Tell them that Dan sent you. All right, let's look at some seasonal slash yearly charts, and we'll start at what I call the fall holiday movie season chart. I basically divide the year up into three parts. We have the winter box office, which is January through April, the summer box office, which is, of course, May through August, and then the fall holiday box office, which is from Labor Day through the end of the year. Right now, The Nun 2, the highest grossing film at the fall holiday box office with $56.3 million, followed by My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 at $18.6 million, A Haunting in Venice in third place at 14.2 million and Javon which drops down to fourth place at 12.1 million dollars really everybody's just keeping the seat warm keeping the car running for Taylor Swift and the Eras tour movie which will be number one on this chart in just a matter of weeks 
Looking at the highest grossing films domestically for 2023, no change since last week because really we haven't had any big movies come out. Barbie, of course, number one, followed by the Super Mario Brothers movie and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is in fourth place, followed by Oppenheimer in fifth. The Little Mermaid's in sixth, followed by Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. John Wick Chapter 4, Sound of Freedom, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, although Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is trying to become the second unwieldy named movie to take that number 10 spot away from the Dial of Destiny. We'll see if it's able to close that gap. Looking at the top grossing films worldwide, Barbie is now over $1.4 billion ahead of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is at $1.36 billion. Oppenheimer is at $912.6 million. Can it make that billion-dollar mark? It's going to have to keep chugging along through the rest of the fall season into awards season, but it just keeps going. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is in fourth with $845.5 million, followed by Fast X at $714.5 million. Then Spider-Man Across the the Spider-Verse, Full River Red, The Wandering Earth 2, The Little Mermaid, and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. All of these films over half a billion dollars or more worldwide. It's a bit of a back-to-formula, back-to-basics episode, so before we wrap up, as always, I want to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and we are going back, not too terribly far, back to September 12th through the 14th, 2008, so about 15 years ago, the 37th weekend of the year, when the new Coen Brothers film, Burn After Reading, was number one, but much like the showdown we had with The Nun 2 and A Haunting in Venice, there were multiple competitors for the number one spot. Burn After Reading won out with 19.1 million dollars its final total was around 60 million dollars domestic followed by tyler perry's the family that prays which brought in 17.3 million on its way to a final domestic total of 37.1 million remember when you used to get excited about robert de niro and al pacino doing a movie together well righteous kill opened at 16.2 million dollars back in 2008 for a domestic total right around 40 million dollars eventually and then in fourth place another new film the top four movies were all new entries the women which was directed and written by Diane English, was at $10.1 million. It had a domestic total of $26.9 million. In fifth place is Tropic Thunder. In its fifth week of release, a 42.1% drop for a $4.1 million total. And as much as people still talk about Tropic Thunder, it was a hit, but not a huge hit at the box office. This weekend's total brought it to over $100 million. It ended at about $110.5 million, and yet it has had a longevity that goes beyond the moderate box office success that it had. Of course, we don't like to just leave that money sitting there. I also like to look and see what these weekends would look like if you adjusted them to 2023 dollars. So when we hit that inflation button, we see that Burn After Reading debuts with a 2023 adjusted total of $27.2 million and an adjusted domestic final of just over $86 million. The Family That Praise is at $24.7 million and Righteous Kill is at $23.2 million. The Women debuts to an adjusted total of $14.4 million and then we see Tropic Thunder with an adjusted weekend of $5.9 million and an adjusted domestic final of $157.5 million. Again, especially even looking at today's money, a moderate hit, but not a blockbuster hit, and certainly not the movie that you think people would still be talking about 15 plus years later. And that actually does it for today's charts with Dan. It is a bit shorter than your average episode, but there's less to talk about. And like I said, it has been a very interesting week. Stay tuned right here to the channel because I will have, uh, as I said, what I think is going to be uh, well, a video unlike any you've quite seen before. I'm, I'm kind of doing something a bit different for this channel, but I think for an important reason. And I'm planning to release that tomorrow. But we also have a busy 
busy weekend coming up, as well as a busy couple of weeks as far as new releases and interesting ones. And I'll be trying to figure out how and when I can review those and bring it to you here on the channel. I haven't done as many reviews lately, but I plan on doing a few in the next week and a half to two weeks. So stay tuned, as well as movie news, box office. You know what we do here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to AG1 for sponsoring the show. And don't forget that you can find down in the description below links to donate to the Entertainment Community Fund, as well as the Go for PAs Alliance. I am splitting 5% of the ad revenue of this channel for the duration of the strikes to both of these different resources for people that are out of work. You can also find things like the link on how to do Cameo for me down in the description below, because that's a fun thing I've been doing lately. Thank you so much for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.